Welcome to Insights to Science, the podcast where I, Roxana Kremer, talk to my PhD colleagues about their ongoing research projects in environmental science. Today I talk with John Hader. Hi John, nice to talk to you. Um, you as well, Roxana. So what is your job? What are you actually doing? Yes, I am a PhD student in the Department of Environmental Science at Stockholm University. Uh, I just finished my second year out of four within this program, and I am a member of the EcoRisk 2050 project. What is EcoRisk 2050? Yes, so e EcoRisk 2050 is a Marie Curie Innovative Training Network. It's an EU-funded project that is made up of 13 PhD students across eight universities. And our overarching goal is to understand how climate change and urbanization and other large scale changes may impact how chemicals are emitted into the environment and how humans and other species will be impacted by that. And in this framework, what exactly is uh, your topic? What do you wanna talk about today? Yes, so I would like to talk about a project I am working on with the Shapala Wastewater Treatment Plant. We are investigating the risk that industrial chemicals that are used upstream in the Stockholm metro area might pose if they were to be spilled down the drain and uh, make their way to the treatment plant and potentially harm the proper operational treatment process. Uh, basically, we are looking at at the danger down the drain, you could say. To the basics, uh, just that we can all follow along, what is this, uh, what is a wastewater treatment plant actually doing? So humans produce a lot of wastewater from things like going to the bathroom, of course, but also cleaning and bathing and cooking, and also a lot of industrial processes like food production, washing your cars and things like that. All of this water that's generated in a city has got to go somewhere. And that's usually a stream or a river, or in the case of Stockholm, our wastewater is dumped out into the Baltic Sea. Now, this wastewater contains a lot of stuff that you don't want to just dump into the environment. So those are things like organic matter and nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus that if we were to just dump in these large quantities into the environment, could throw off the natural balance of various processes in the environment. And this can cause things like oxygen levels to plummet, algae blooms, animal die-offs and things like that. So lots of things that you don't want to have happen. And what a wastewater treatment plant does is it helps remove a lot of these nutrients and pollutants from the wastewater so it can be emitted out into the environment a lot more clean. So it's a big filter that uh, is cleaning our water before we dump it in the ocean. It's a great way to think about it, yes. Okay. How do they clean the water? So they do this by a multi-step process. The, the first thing that they do is they, so with Shapala, there is a tunnel system underground under the city that's about 65 kilometers long that transports the wastewater from the city down to the wastewater treatment plant, which is on the island of Lidingu. And once it reaches the treatment plant, it starts by filtering out 
basically large objects that have made their way into the sewer that shouldn't be there. So Shopala, they actually have a display case uh, down in the, the treatment process at this stage where they show some of the more interesting things that they've pulled out of the sewer at this step. Things like golf balls and razors, but then even weirder things like they have a smoke detector, they have a large boot that was there, and uh, <laughs> they even pulled out a bicycle from the sewers <laughs> at one point. So a bicycle made this like 65 kilometer travel to the treatment plant. <laughs> it was That's probably, amazing. yeah, it was, it was probably dumped a bit closer, uh, but yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the mechanical step where basically all the big things just gravitate to the ground or are they just like cached out with a, with a net or something? Uh, it's basically a big screen, yeah, that stops these large things going in because if they were to go into the, the next steps, they would, it would cause problems, basically. But so once that's done, we go to what's called the primary sedimentation tank. And this is basically just a disgusting stagnant pool where this incoming wastewater is allowed to just sit very still for about four or so hours. And during that time, a lot of the solid material that's left there will settle down to the bottom. And what's left sort of in the top part of this area is then moved to the next stage, which is the biological treatment process. And once we're here, there are a lot of microorganisms within the sewage and things are done to kind of kick these microorganisms into hyperdrive because these microorganisms just naturally will help break down a lot of the different nutrients and pollutants and things that are in the wastewater that could harm the environment. So like nitrogen. And basically this is done by pumping a lot of air into the sewage to aerate things, really get the microorganisms going, and to basically increase the rate at which these processes happen. And that helps remove some of the solids and the other pollutants from the water. These microorganisms are then basically bacteria, make everything smaller or um, split it up into different components? So like one thing that would be happening is the bacteria, they go through a nitrification process where they can convert some of the nitrogen that's in there to something else so it's basically removed from the water and sort of kicked out. They also help clump things together so that because it's kind of a gross liquidy soup at this point but when you kick this bacteria bacterial processes they help things coagulate together that then can settle out uh, once you get to the the next stage which is more of a another filtration process. Basically, after that, it's already like leaded to the, the Baltic Sea then? Uh, just about. Yeah, it goes through another stage where things are allowed to settle out again, and the solids and stuff are pulled off again. And then it goes through a, a sand filtration process. And then at that point, then it's released to the Baltic. And at that point, you can actually, it's safe enough to swim in. You can't drink it, but you can swim in it, thankfully. <laughs> and when we talk about Stockholm, since it's uh, a very large city. How much water do they handle? How much do they clean every day? They treat about 50 million cubic meters of water every year. And they treat about water from about 500,000 people. And so if you do the math on that, that's equivalent to about 55 Olympic swimming pools worth of wastewater every single day. Quite a lot of water being produced and treated. That's uh, really a lot. 
when we come back to your topic and your science part that you're actually doing, uh, what are you studying together with the wastewater treatment plant? Within the area of Shapala, where they are taking advantage of the microorganisms to help treat the water, these microorganisms can be a bit sensitive. And they one of these things they can be sensitive to is different chemicals. We have a lot of industries and things upstream in the Stockholm metro area that use a lot of chemicals. And if these chemicals were to be spilled down the drain and make their way to this the, the treatment plant in the biologically active region, we can have what's called a toxic shock where the microorganisms are exposed to this chemical, they are basically killed and or they can't do these processes that help treat the water. And so that part of the treatment process is basically no longer there. The emissions from the wastewater treatment plant are going to be a lot worse. They'll be emitting a lot of this nasty stuff that's in the sewage that can hurt the environment. When you talk about chemicals, uh, which one are we talking about? You mentioned nitrogen before. Is that like the main component or is there more? The nitrogen and, and phosphorus and things like that, they're going to be in the wastewater anyway, coming from humans. What we're really interested in is at these large range of different kind of upstream industrial facilities. So things like hospitals, car washes, energy plants, airports, all those kind of things, the chemicals that they're using. So things like detergents, oils, uh, adhesives, very basically anything you can think of that would be being used at an industrial facility. We're concerned about those being spilled down the drain and making their way to Shapala. Are they also dangerous for us or only for the microorganisms in the treatment plant? Yeah, so our focus really is just on the, the microorganisms at the treatment plant. Uh, my guess is some of these chemicals would, some of them wouldn't be quite as harmful to humans, uh, but our, our focus is on how toxic they are to the microorganisms. Um, you mentioned before when this microorganism community is out of balance, that's basically the point where you're interested in. But what, what happens then? What's the problem there? Yeah, let's say a chemical were to be spilled upstream and then it makes its way to the plant and we get this toxic shock where we have a large microorganism die off. Uh, something like this actually happened at a wastewater treatment plant south of Stockholm in 2013, where a chemical made its way to the plant and knocked out the microorganism's ability to remove nitrogen from the wastewater. And so for a period of several months, uh, they had very much elevated levels of ammonium being emitted from the treatment plant because it can take quite a long time to rebuild the microorganism community at the wastewater treatment plant to the point where it can be properly treating the water again. So it's not just that they don't do their work like as efficient as they could do it. You need to rebuild the whole community if there's a big spillage happening. Yeah, it's the, the die-off of the, the community is what we're really concerned about, yeah. Okay, and you measure how toxic the chemicals are and what their influence could be. Yes. So how do you do that? We get information on how toxic these chemicals are from the European Chemicals Agency. They provide a lot of chemical data on chemicals that are registered for use throughout Europe. And one of these pieces of information is a predicted no effect concentration or PNEC value for wastewater treatment plants. And so what this tells us is what concentration a chemical could have within a wastewater treatment plant 
the maximum concentration it could have before any kind of negative effect might happen. You can think of this almost like a, as a human, the maximum amount of coffee that you could drink before you were to start feeling any effects from it. That would be your P-neck for coffee. But instead, we were concerned about the P-neck for these upstream chemicals, and the effect would be on these microorganisms in the treatment plant. So it's not exactly just the chemical itself, but it is the amount of the chemical that is in the wastewater. So the dose makes the poison. Exactly. Yes. Okay. How do you looking at these? We have these PNEC values and how do you look at different scenarios or how do you predict and model what could happen? Mm -hmm. Yes. So Shopala and our partners there, they have surveyed a large number of facilities, industrial facilities upstream, about a hundred or so. And they've gotten information on what chemicals they use and how much chemical they hold in stock at, at a given time. We've developed sort of two different ways of looking at chemical spill scenarios. The first one is, let's just take one industrial facility and one chemical that they might have. Let's say it's 100 liters of some kind of cleaning product. And let's say somebody accidentally kicks the barrel and it pours down the drain, the floor drain, and it all makes its way to Shopala. What we can do is we can take the volume of Shopala, which we know, and the 100 liters of this chemical and just derive a simple concentration that this chemical would have within the sewage treatment plant. And then we can take that concentration and compare it to the predicted no effect concentration that we've gotten from ECHA. If that possible concentration is higher than this PNEC, then that would tell us eh, that's a bit concerning because this it's a high-end possible concentration, but it's you know within the realm of possibility. That's indicating there could potentially be a negative effect to the plant if that were to be spilled. But then if the concentration is lower than that PNEC value, then that would indicate to us that you know maybe we shouldn't be quite as concerned about that chemical being spilled. And you do that for all of the chemicals upstream. You basically all sum them up and then compare them to the PNEC value. And if it's larger, you say, oh, could be dangerous, smaller, it's all fine. Yes, exactly. So we do that for, we have information for about 1,500 chemical products that are used upstream. All told, the basically constituent chemicals that we're dealing with, uh, it's about 550 unique chemicals that we are looking for toxicity values for. That was the easy approach, but you said you have a more complex one or more accurate maybe? Uh, yes. So that's the kind of the first screening kind of take that we we do for this. There's a, you know, a lot of assumptions involved with that. It's not necessarily the most realistic kind of scenario you would have. And so to kind of refine that assessment, we are developing a chemical fate model. That's just a fancy way of saying if we have a chemical that we put into this wastewater treatment plant environment, there are a lot of, there's a lot of liquid and there's also a lot of solids and air within this system. And a chemical put into that system is going to naturally separate between the liquid and the solid and the air based on the chemical properties. If we take the equations behind that and put that into a model, we can more realistically assess how a chemical might behave within a wastewater treatment plant and derive a, a bit more of a realistic concentration that the chemical might have 
once it's moving throughout the wastewater treatment plant. We can compare that estimated concentration to the, the, P, the toxicity value again. This is basically the overall goal of your work to build up this model to make it easy to see if there's a problem with chemicals or not. Exactly. Yes. The kind of end result that we would have would be a prioritization list of these chemicals that are used upstream based on this these different risk assessment scenarios. And then we can take this information and look at you know, this chemical has the highest risk, this has the second highest risk, and then focus energy on those higher risk chemicals, go and talk to these upstream facilities that hold and use these chemicals, and get a bit more information about how, you know, they're stored, how they're used, and see whether or not any additional safety protocols need to be implemented to really try and make sure that a chemical spill does not happen for those chemicals because they would pose the highest risk to the proper operating of the wastewater treatment plant. So you're not just working with um, Chapala, you're also working with the industry upstream to make the whole system from the emission of the chemical in the water all the way to the Baltic Sea is your project. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mainly interfacing with Shopala, but it is definitely going to have ramifications in terms of how they discuss with their their upstream clients. Yeah. In the case you're not uh, the Shopala wastewater treatment plant, and can you as a treatment plant make this model yourself, or can they like ask you, or do they need to do all the work themselves again, as you just did in the last two years of your PhD? <laughs> yes. Well, luckily for them, we oh. are. <laughs> we are taking all of our uh, analysis tools, the toxicity information and this, this model. We are developing an open source online tool that any wastewater treatment plant that has the information about the chemicals that are used upstream, they can basically put that into an Excel file, upload it to this website, and then within a few seconds, they will have returned to them a prioritization list of the most high risk chemicals that are used upstream from them that can then they can then hopefully take and use that to uh, help with facilitate communication with those potentially high risk facilities again to make sure that those chemicals are being stored and handled properly and potentially implement additional safety protocols that's a very neat end of your project there in the future <laughs> I think I never thought or talked so long about wastewater or actually what's going down the drain when I uh, use the bathroom or clean my house. <laughs> so uh, when I want to follow you, how would I do that? I mean, in case I'm uh, opening up a wastewater treatment plant and I need your model to investigate uh, which <laughs> risk I have to face. Yes, or if you just want to hear more about wastewater as well. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, interesting for sure. It is an interesting, I think, topic that you kind of, I don't think people think about a lot, but I guess having thought about it for the past two years, it's, it's important. We should think about it more. <laughs> yeah, especially because we produce so much every day. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, people can follow me on Twitter at John underscore D underscore hater. Cool. So I would all urge you to do that. And then thanks, John, for talking to me. Yes. Thank you, Roxana. It's been fun. So, this was the first episode. Thank you all for listening in. Let's see if I do it again and what we will talk about the next time. 
and the music was produced by Gabriel Freitas, one of our other very cool PhD students here at ACES. Thanks!